0: Tommaso Boni now signing for Old Glory as well. Oh, it yeah. It just kind of makes sense that he would make the move over. There seems to be less and less Eagles overseas now, unfortunately for you, Phil.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Giff, how are
2: you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you guys?
1: Good, man. Fitz, how are you feeling?
2: Good. I need a cup of coffee, but other than that, we're Good. I
1: feel that. (laughs) You know, usually we have like this whole long read to open the show. I don't think we'll do that this time. I think we got too much to talk about. But for you though, uh, Gift, I mean, uh, I need you just just relax, and as you normally do, (laughs) and give us a few minutes to for Fitzy and I to get our business out of the way, and then we're coming to you, and we're gonna we're gonna rock it. You got that? Let's go. All right, baby, you hold on tight. All right, uh, everyone else out there, uh, again, this is U.S. Rugby Happy Hour live. We are here today to talk about World Rugby's new rugby calendar, USA Rugby, and of course, there is some MLR news in here as well, so stay tuned for that, and we do have uh, a special guest to come in here in a couple minutes to, to nail it for us, like five minutes MLR news, uh, lots of movement going on in, in the MLR world, so this guy has the info, and actually, he's <laughs> we go to him to get our info, so we're going to jump right into it. I'm Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas and John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. Fitzy.
3: Yes, let's go. Good afternoon.
1: I feel feel like we've opened the show four times now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And with that said, let's get that guy on here. Uh, James Dealey's out there. He's... uh, uh, you know, like I said, he's a guy that we see on Twitter and Instagram, wherever else, that has a lot of great information. He's like the, I don't know, what's the word for it? Um, uh, nose in the road? That's not ear on the road. That <laughs> ear on the tarmac. No, uh, not. Nose. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, but he's got, this uh, he, he, guy's up to date with everything. James, you there? Hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm good.
0: How are you? I'm not too bad. I am indeed the, uh, so what did you say, the nose to the road. Nose to the road. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a new term that we use on this yeah, show. Yeah, we'll with <laughs> So what are you smelling these days? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, okay. Let's, so how's your um, off season been? Let's just call it an off season.
0: Well, you know, it's, um, it's peaks and peaks and valleys. To be honest with you, depending on the, depending on the the moves of, of the teams around it. I've just got back from a from a trip to France actually with my with Ooh. my partner to the World Cup. Wow. Um, and you know, I thought you know a ten days off that would be fantastic. It'd be great, and that happened to be seemed like the busiest week of the off season so far. So. <laughs>
1: <You> know, <laughs> <it comes> to- <laughs> all right well like, like i mentioned we were talking earlier you and i were you back and forth earlier there have been a few moves of late so uh, we just got a few minutes with you so uh, talk about some of the biggest moves that strike you actually
0: yeah sure so i think the biggest move probably in the last couple of days is is the chilean rugby captain martin sieger joining the free Jets mm-hmm. um after yeah, yeah. straight off a world cup campaign that um that won a lot of hearts with a lot of people Um, that Chilean side really in their first ever World Cup really put on quite a show Um, and that's a big pick up for the Free Jacks adding to an already very strong back row you know there were a couple of re-signings too Lautaro Bavaro for Old Old Glory DC Um, I'm really quite impressed with with the moves that um, DC have made this off season uh, Bavaro was an absolute standout last year so I'm I'm glad they've they've got him back you know I, I did see they also uh, speaking of old glory, they also re-signed Graydon Bowd recently, uh, the Canadian. Um, last year was his mm-hmm. first, he's 30 years old, or 29 or 30. Last year was his first ever professional rugby contract. I thought he was a standout. Right. Don't quote me on this, but I think he's in the squad for their um, their November tour in Spain uh, for Canada. So, you know, he's clearly impressing at the right levels now. And it's, um, it's great to see him coming through and using MLR to kind of cut about his profile.
1: Fitzie, I think you're pretty happy about those moves.
3: I'm certainly happy, but in uh yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh I think there's a lot of momentum, positive momentum with Old Glory DC, right? First last year was not a winning record, but first year in the playoffs and then won the first playoff game, so a taste of some success, so they're building off of that. Got a new home venue, they're going to be playing in. But James, I've got to ask you, closer to home. Toronto's finally announced their new head coach, Stephen Meehan. How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with with a couple of decades of of, expe- of coaching <laughs> experience at the top level. You know, he was head coach at Bath, assistant coach at uh, was it Toulon and Stade Francais. He's coached uh, Queens and Reds in Australia. You know, like, it's hard to argue with that kind of pedigree. Mm-hmm. I have seen a couple of people that were a bit surprised we didn't go for a more homegrown talent, you know, a more Canadian Oh, a coach with a more Canadian background. But I think that is um, that's why Corey Hector was actually promoted from the academy team that he helped create back to an assistant coach because he will know the Canadian rugby landscape better than than, an outsider like like me and Will.
1: So we heard a lot of news from Miami Sharks early on, obviously making the big signing uh, from Argentina. Uh, having a, a really good World Cup but anyone else that they've signed since then that really uh, stands out who can make an impact this year this next season
0: Miami seems to be a bit of a strange one like they'll 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 properly kind of launch an announcement for one player and then just kind of drop a video which is like oh by the way here's a hello from our new signing <laughs> and it's, two, it's two Welsh international players you know Rob Rob Evans uh, and Derby yeah. Myhill they were both very very talented rugby players and it's sort of a bit yes i know they were their signings were rumored for quite a while but it was like oh by the way they're official now it's kind of just out of the blue a little bit but i am very impressed To um we haven't really seen a lot of welsh internationals come over to mlr even if it mm-hmm. was you know ex-internationals or anything like that so it's quite nice to see that they're they're recruiting mm-hmm. rob evans is a big time you know welsh international so it's it's very impressive to see both of those two on their um on their roster um a bit out of left field considering a lot of us thought it would be very south america based
1: right well uh, other than that um is two other, other questions i have for you here greg peterson rumors about where where he'll land because it sounds like he will be in mlr once his glasgow contract is up
0: yes yeah, so i haven't heard anything i'm keeping my nose <laughs> to the road on, on that <laughs> i haven't heard anything anything deliberate you know I, i'm keeping in touch with a lot of uh, player agencies that sometimes announce things before the teams I'm not sure if they're allowed to or not but you know sometimes mm. might get a snip of something like I, got, I think I got Davy Coates was re-signing in, in Houston because his agency oh, yeah. announced it before the team and then that was quickly deleted but I, oh. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about about him about Peterson joining
1: well, I think Fitzy, you'll you'll agree with me as well. We had Greg on just recently to talk about that very thing and he was pretty li- uh, tight-lipped about it also. Yeah, so, he definitely said he had he has offers. He he has offers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised
0: he has offers at all and it it, it it just kind of makes sense, especially with, you know, one of the other kind of non-MLR USA Eagles Tommaso Bonnie now signing for Old Glory as well. Oh, it yeah. just kind of makes sense that he would make the move over. There seems to be less and less eagles overseas now unfortunately for you phil
1: yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have on phil bradford the australian hooker
0: uh not too much i yeah um, you know i just did my tweet what was it yesterday he they announced his signing he's um he played with the hunter wildfires which uh for mlr fans javon camp of the new england free jacks also went to go mm. play with the hunter wildfires in the shoot shield uh there are a few teams that like to dip into the shoot shield it's um Pretty much, Australia's equivalent to the the National Provincial Championship, the Bunnings NPC. Obviously, MLR l- likes to recruit from the NPC uh, a lot. The Shoot Shield, less so, but it's still a you know, a, right. it's still a high caliber um, domestic league in Australia. I don't know too much about Bradford himself, but he's yeah. been in and around the Shoot Shield for the last
1: couple of years. I'm sure he'll be a valuable addition to to the Warriors. All right, before we let you go, here's a big one for you. Um, out of the moves we've seen this off season, is there one? That you think is a deal breaker is is a big deal for the M L R or for the team it, itself.
0: Well, honestly, I think the, the one, at least in recent memory, I might have been. There's there's been a lot of moves. I might have missed a couple, but that that like I started them, um, like I started with Martin Segrin, the Chilean rugby captain, mm. straight off of a World Cup. That signing is quite impressive. Um,
1: in three years too, a long deal. Yeah, yeah, through to 2026.
0: 20, 20, um, so he's not he's not coming through to you know just for a year to experience it he's in for you know for the foreseeable future and that's uh you know he's a world cup player <laughs> yeah it's, obviously yes i know it's not tier one or anything like that but he's a high caliber player and it's um it's good to see these players coming through to mlr while they are still fully internationals rather than you know they're just coming over to finish up their career in a sunny location somewhere which I was worried the M L R was turning into a little bit, but it doesn't seem to have have materialized quite like that,
1: which I'm very happy about. Yeah, no doubt. And I guess we'll need to get Tom Kindly or Alex Magleby on the phone soon and ask him what they offered uh, what they offered Martin to get him here for three years, because uh, you know the weather is uh, probably not what he wants. <laughs> or at least earlier not in, the year. in Boston. <laughs> exactly. All right, James uh, James Deely, thanks so much for jumping in with us, and uh, man, we got to do this again soon.
0: Yeah, sure. Just uh, uh, let me know i'm happy to come on uh, whenever i can all right thanks man have a great day you see thanks a lot guys
1: all right let's get on with your show that was a big great beginning we love talking mlr it's it feels like it feels like it's been time since we've actually had a conversation about mlr <laughs> i mean not that we're missing not, not that we are not paying attention but to actually talk about it it was it's actually good to get back into that uh but hey let's get into it um I, i've i've muted him uh, our guest i apologize for that um, I sound like he was on the toilet for a second there. <laughs> but the, the, last time, <laughs> a motor, the last time. I heard a motor. I heard a little scooter. Uh, is that what it was? Okay. <laughs> well, it could be one of those Brazilian toilets. Uh, <laughs> the last time he was on the show, he was actually driving the streets of DC looking for your front yard to drive over, Fitzy. I uh, know. <laughs> uh, let's welcome Gift at Bailu. Hey, Gift, unmute yourself. Don't forget, I just muted you. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, what's really (laughs) good? Hey, look, look, look. First and foremost, you know, look, look, our toilets are wild are wild but you know what we got a lot of action <laughs> happening outside alright when the food runs the food is good and you can't help yourself
1: <laughs> oh boy now that's the way to start a show
2: <laughs>
1: uh, hey as I mentioned you were in D.C. last time we talked I believe you were, um, uh, you were the week prior to the HBCU uh, a tournament a classic yep. uh, how'd that go
2: man, how'd that go it, it went well it went well man great team play uh, I mean you know, big shout-out to Howard men winning to, uh, oh, my goodness. We uh, forgot the women's name team right off the top of my head. Uh, and then the high school. It like, it was a great tournament. It was a great tournament. It was fun. It was great energy, man. The people that came out was always appreciative. Uh, can't wait to obviously do it again. But uh, I, I enjoyed myself a lot. I enjoyed myself a whole lot from that one, man. D.C. is a legitimate place. And Bill, and Bill,
3: I got yeah. to meet Gift there. I went with my Glorious Roadbeats podcast co host, uh, AKP.
2: We uh, we showed up. It was good. I was about to say, getting a chance to meet Fitz was legit a true pleasure. <laughs> it all. Like, you, you guys don't know. My heart my heart fluttered a little bit. I was like, my goodness, we got legends going on now. Did,
1: <laughs> did, did was Fitzy like? Did he have his boots? He had his kit bag with him. You're like, there's there's a couple issues with it. this, Fitz. That, <laughs> that man was
2: dressed to the nines. I was like, this is a true professional right here. All right. I was like, look, no. <laughs> <laughs> you having mixed up with someone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Well, before we jump into uh, the you know the, the world record calendar, which we'll get to in like two minutes here, uh, uh, talk a bit about the HBCU programs this year. Um, I'm definitely assuming you're keeping track. Of course, you know some pretty strong teams this year. Which teams are sticking out in you in your mind? So,
2: you know, this year we're we're coming into the last part of having only about four programs all together, and we're about to see an explosion over the next two years. But as of right now, you know, we got activity with uh, the Howard program, Howard men and Howard women. Uh, mm-hmm. Morehouse, and subsequently Prairie View A&M. We had some great news uh, recently. Morehouse College finally was able to enter into uh, to NCR. So they'll be able to now be eligible mm-hmm. for playoff play and being able to be within a regular matrix schedule, which they haven't been able to do for a few years now. So mm-hmm. huge congratulations to them. Uh, Howard University men now are starting their 15th play, which in the two years that they have been in existence, you know, last year... They were in sevens uh, primarily and uh, managed to get into the uh, NCR um, uh, uh, Collegiate Rugby Championships, which was great, played great during it. He, they lost in the first round, but, man, they, they did their thing. And then, of course, Howard women are now back after coming in second in CRAA Division Two women's. And this year, they're legitimately going against, like, some of the hardest competition and still wiping through, like, this past weekend, they ended up beating Nova Rugby, uh, the club rugby team out of Virginia. They ended up beating their that side that they played thirty to zero. Uh, even prior wow. to that, they played North Carolina to start their season. Absolutely mollywopped them fifty to zero. So, like, you're seeing a team that said. We saw what happened in the championships against the California team. Now we're about to be ready for this one. So it's really going to be an exciting season going into spring when everybody is now in full power. And then Prairie View AM, they're in there taking out the Texas teams uh, and looking to be able to just continue their, their, their campaign. So, man, it, we got a lot. We got a lot happening. Uh, and it's moving fast. What can you share with us about
3: the HBCU Rugby Classic happening uh, I guess that would be spring 2024. Can uh, Anthony anticipate maybe coming back to D.C.? Or are you uh,
2: still working through some plans? Well, right now we're working through some things. Uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that we get it special. The D.C. one created a standard uh, for us. So, you mm-hmm. know, we want to make sure that the next one is done right. It's done in another in, – done in a place where – you know, legendary HBCU actions have happened. You know, that's a number of places. But um, you know, I'm gonna give a little bit more news for the future. But just know that we really, we really want to do something major and uh, really start actually changing culture as much as we are just changing mm-hmm. the, the game. So, uh, yeah, excited.
1: Yeah, and speaking of that culture, you know, there's been some uh, writings online this past week. Uh, people mentioning the USA landscape. At least with the men's fifteen programs, very few African Americans involved, uh, for whatever reason that is. Do you th- do you really do you think with these new programs coming on board with the way the HBCU, every classic and the and the universities have been doing? Do you think it's just a matter of time? Hopefully, very soon that we should see more African Americans, at least in the fifteen side.
2: You know, honestly, there's so many layers that go into that. I think from at least a standpoint yeah. with the HBCU, it opens up another connection into the community, and that one. Is pretty massive in terms of creating awareness of rugby as being more than just like, for lack of a better word, the white guy sport. Um, obviously, it's been mm-hmm. increasing a lot over the course mm-hmm. of the last eight years, ten years. So it's not as standardized to that, but there's still a lot of spacing to go with that. Uh, in terms of trying to get people into the USA Rugby 15s program, I mean, we're we want to actively either set enough people between. The partnership with myself and the RS Rugby Foundation, Roots Rugby, uh, and then, of course, even the the high school sides, um, really try and see what we can be able to show in terms of presenting the talents that these players have available to them. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of that goes to decisions that are legitimately just out of our control. So uh, hopefully... USA Rugby and those that would be in charge of making those decisions are willing to find and are capable of finding ways to bringing in the talent that can just fit into, not just fit into the system, but can bring dynamicism to the system as well. And, you know, then we can start to see what the real change is in terms of what we can truly present to the world of what it means to be an actual USA Rugby program, top to bottom.
1: Right, and the uh, the future, at least for the program, the way it is now, I think it's on the ups. I mean, you really can't go much further down. So um, teams <laughs> in in Spain, <laughs> the teams in Spain now, they wish they were over in Europe the last two months, but that wasn't the case. So, um, you know what? Uh, Rugby World Cup, let's touch on that really quick. Obviously, you watch matches. Wow. It, it, it was, I think it was one hell of a World Cup. It's very, um, I don't know if, if – I don't remember social media being such a huge thing. The last World Cup probably was. I just wasn't paying attention. But it seemed to be a, a rise in cards, yellow, red, et cetera. Is Was that just my opinion or you think the same thing?
2: No, I think there was legitimately uh, an increase in the number of I, – I call them sensitivity uh, penalties. And to be honest with you, I also get it because I think the difference between 2019 and then 2023 has been the fact that there's been – far more scrutiny on world rugby to have to, be atten- to pay attention to concussion-creating hits. So the refs have had to be far le- far more discerning when it comes to what they call. And obviously the addition of the TMO system that I hate so much adds another layer to the level of uh, cards that are called, namely the reds and and to some extent the yellows. But I I think this one, and and you talk about it in terms of social media. No, I don't think this one – I think this one has more social media reach because, again, 2019, I think almost stuck as a pinnacle for the potential of how much uh, the Rugby World Cup could present, the men's Rugby World Cup could present uh, as it was in Japan, hence why we have the biggest financial return of a Rugby World Cup that happened in 2019. Uh, And so for 2023, you know, now we had post-pandemic, more people are not active online on social media. And so there's been much more response. So I think also a lot speaks to the lack of distribution of media pieces by World Rugby too. So people make different populations of opinions.
3: (laughs) I'm glad you went to the last bit because uh, I think the the funniest part of all of this was early in the tournament when a number of – Folks were trying to share video clips and it kept getting taken down. This video is no longer available. Mm -hmm. You don't have the rights. The best example probably was what? Wayne Martin, the referee, when he tried to share out. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) He was taken down like explain to me what is going on there what is world rugby trying to protect when it comes to those r- rights and, and and not letting people just share it widely to hopefully have it come across someone's feet who's never seen it.
2: Before. so i think what the issue has been has been a based off of old contracts that they were doing uh for rights distribution uh in the past so you know you got to remember like world rugby right now is in this position where Uh, Since the pandemic, everything has kind of been financially shaky. But I'm not even going to blame the pandemic because they were doing this before. With initially trying to sell out your TV rights, it always was TV companies have first rights of highlights. The distribution players have first rights of clips. And then from there, they get to be able to distribute that out. And so with World Rugby, the Rugby World Cup obviously is the primary uh, source of income for World Rugby as a whole. So they've always tried to work with their distribution partners to be able to give them that access. Unfortunately, you know, the world doesn't work through your distribution partners solely. Uh, and especially again, after the pandemic, uh, it really really he- highlighted how much uh, people need to sense things through social media. Memes increase, video clips increase. And from there is where you get virality, is where you get conversation. But World Rugby works on old programs. I remember whenever I went to world uh, the Rugby World Cup 2019 for Japan, and the same issues relate. It's actually one of the reasons why it kind of turned me off to wanting to go back, because at least from a, a media standpoint, because it was like, I can't get any video of the game. All we can do is just write about it. Unless we paid the you know, uh, $150,000, 500000 that it was for distribution fees, we can't share any clips, but... The thing that makes this work is that people want to see the clip i get not showing the entire stream and the entire highlight like obviously mm-hmm. you don't want to bootleg the game itself that messes with reach and messes with right. advertisers we know this one but when it comes to individual short-term plays that's what actually makes people connect and we've seen that skyrocket from shows yeah. to movies to other games so i i just think it's just archaic belief in how you deal with your distribution partners and uh they they learned it at squidgy had that same issue 2019 until they came to some (laughs) agreement and then again for 2023
1: yeah you know i've I've been in sports broadcasting for a while and i've been on uh, the production side not the the galley side not that stuff but even then you know man i was I, i was still blown away say i was doing work with nascar or whatever where they would block, you know, um, Billy Joe, uh, you know, big NASCAR fan of Kentucky from posting a five-second clip online. And it, it just drove me crazy. It's like visibility is good. He's not posting the entire race. You know, I don't understand what the problem is. It's still the same issue, especially world rugby always saying, you know, we need to grow the game. We're investing in every country. So for those countries, I don't know, and I get it. It's TV rights. Uh, they're making, a, they're spending a lot of money, uh, hopefully making a lot of money off of ad revenue. But we got to have countries like USA, like Chile, like Brazil, whatever, being able to provide those, even five-second clips, um, as much as possible, get it in front of people's eyes. And it just drives me crazy. Yeah. You know? No, it's – But it is money.
2: But that's the thing. The fact that it is money makes it that much more necessary to be able to distribute those clips because everything's fractured. We're no longer in the world where you're dealing with either your cable provider, your free-to-air distribution – and then simply waiting for the news or sports center of some sort to be able to give you the clips from the day, so that everybody's gathered around. Now, not only do you have your competition with your other sports, and you have now your competition of your um, of of attention from other um, uh, media hubs, but your distribution partners actually need that virality to actually get. Mm-hmm returns on their reach, because now advertisers doing their, and we I, I don't know how many, I might be going a little bit too much behind the shot, but, you know, when you're talking about <laughs> CRMs, like your, your cost per 1,000, those clips make a difference in how advertisers are able, uh, how media distribution, distributors are able to sell the sports programming. And from there is mm-hmm. what you are able to determine the cost for what you can sell your rights to. So it all is one big circle that is required. So when you're cutting off one, yeah. you're hurting off your actual ability to grow and financially and um, in population and awareness.
1: Well, keeping on that topic about, you know, uh, um, sponsorships and um, and partners with broadcasters, USA could possibly finally have something, a calendar to market to those two broadcasters and sponsors. Uh, the announcement came out. What was it last week of the new World Rugby uh, calendar, Nations Championship, and the rebranded Pacific Nations Cup? Go! Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 we'll come back. We'll come back in twenty minutes when you're done. Uh, <laughs> there, if There was uh, there was a ton. I want to say ninety nine percent of the people I saw hate, hate, hate. And then I read your thread. I was like, oh, huh, that's a different take. And a thread that uh, I agree with. I don't know, Fitzy, you read the thread, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. A, a, a different perspective that I'm like, okay, um, now we can have a conversation about this, right? Gift, I want you to talk about your take on the nation's championships. And, and just, you know, we don't have an hour, so. Uh... Well, I, I'll do my best. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, for my short talk. No, no, no. Well, I'm going to pull in some tea real quick. We're going to have you and... We're going to have you and Dan Lyle on one day, and then you and I'll just enter the show, and we'll we'll stop recording in two hours. Okay. So yeah, seriously, now, let's talk yeah. about the nation's championship, that calendar. What's your take on it?
2: You know, look, uh, obviously, I understood where the gripe that people had with now the tier one, top 12, plus Japan and Fiji, and then everybody else in the tier two, at least the 13 to 24, in the tier two. So I understood where the initial gripe was. My position was how many people were basically now already going tier two is screwed. You can't grow. You're not going to be able to do anything better. Uh, and tier two ultimately is going to fall behind because the development to tier one will supersede and blah, 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 blah. And it, it just, it shocked me because I think this was one of those things where I, I think it has been the crippling mindset that has actually affected tier two. Now we all know this um, when it comes to, how we try and grow our game. We've all dealt with the financial struggle. We've dealt with the human resource issues, starting early, talent to play, blah, 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 blah. We all know this. But I think a lot of those issues have come from the fact that we're all trying to copy, basically, tier one models, which have been, you know, you, you grow your academy and then you, you, you build up from the bottom and, and you go and then you eventually uh, can spread but it doesn't work for us because tier ones basically have had these gains, had this game for the better part of 150 years, almost 200 years. So they're not necessarily growing it. Um, they're actually more so just riding that wave. I talked about a little bit of this on the podcast, but um, I, I think it's like the difference between trying to say, I'm to grow a small business by following the way that Walmart markets, like it doesn't work coincidentally. You're in two very different places. So, with this tier one modeling, I thought it was actually good that now tier twos will have a reason to have to build. And for me, I think building a program, building a culture within a rugby or any sport doesn't start with how much you get beat by 100 or 50 or 60. Like the play of action itself doesn't actually create um, uh, improvement. What does is the psychological effect of how you implement it into your youth and then subsequently how you funnel them up. Perfect example of how this goes is the Disney model of doing business. What does Disney do? Disney takes you from the point that you're born to the point that you're an adult and drives you through their funnel going through. So how do they do it? They provide you with kids programming that inoculates you in. Uh, Then they use that to be able to uh, uh, funnel you into their parks, which makes you feel like you're having a real experience. Then they bring you as a teenager through slightly older uh, material, and then you use that as nostalgia to be able to work towards movies and then sports that get you as an older adult. The same thing can work with rugby. When you're dealing with rugby, your issue isn't the fact that guys are coming in older or that you are not having enough talent. We have natural talent. Rugby is not that complex. It is still throw, kick, pass, run. There we go. This is the basis of it. After that, you know, obviously you can schematic, yada, yada, yada. But it's how much does it feel like it's in a lot of places? Lacrosse did a great job in doing this. And I want to use this as an example, actually. Football. If we remember, and a lot of people might not, in the 90s and 80s, football was not the number one sport in the USA. Baseball was. And football was competing not only just against baseball, but they were going against Michael Jordan basketball. So they were really somewhere around three at that time. What was it that football did? And I'm going to say this. Remember what your favorite football movie was when you were a kid? I can say what mine was. Little Giants, right? You started having Hmm. little bits and seeds that were able to get pieced together around where it made you feel like, man, this is something, a part of it. Whether you watched the game or you didn't that was didn't take away from the fact that it felt like it was everywhere. You got older, you got things like Remember the Titans, Varsity Blues, and it became, Add to that, then you had the Spectacle mm-hmm. of the Super Bowl, you had the big games, and all of a sudden, by the 2000s, football has now moved up the charts, has been on more TV screens, now I've presented to you, but it started because you had nostalgia seeds. You didn't play. You knew you might have friends that played older. You might have had some Pop Warner, but one way or another, you knew football was in the arena that's the same thing that has to happen with rugby that's what develops tier two and that's what takes you away from falling into the habit of trying to remake the model that tier one does and that was that was basically where my position was you guys this is a psychological and active game tier one is kind of just blinding you because they've been so successful so it seems obvious to follow them but they don't have a model that works for tier one and you should just focus on working on building your youth side that's where your fan base will come from your player base, and literally all the support, financially, even for your sponsors and distributors. Well, Giff, what I I really liked about your message, and
3: uh, I'm gonna quote it verbatim here, you basically said, you don't wait for World Rugby to save you. They ain't gonna save you for real. You have the literal resources, right? Like Chile and Uruguay, built programs that enabled them to get to the Rugby World yes. Cup and qualify over nations like the U.S. And they basically told World Rugby with this Pacific Nations Cup thing, like, hey, we're not going to join your little party. We're going to do this on our own, and we're going to try and bring up the, the nations around us. So there's, there's certainly clearly a way, and maybe tougher, but there's a way yes. to build something sustainable without going you know, hat in hand to World
2: Rugby to say, save us. We need your money. That is, you know, it, it's a novel approach. It is exactly that. And that's where I go back again to the almost brainwashing to some extent of the idea that rugby is so complex and you need so many specific movements to be able to do it that the only way that you could be able to survive in this is that you have 50, 100 years of knowledge to be able to become successful. And the reality is, Yo, where is it that you're able to start your base? You use Chile. I think the better example is even Argentina. Argentina is economically crippled, yet somehow managed to be in the top five countries in three legitimate sports, soccer, basketball, and rugby. Somehow managed to do it, despite the fact that they're in hand, and they're now a tier one. Japan found a way to pull that off themselves. They were tier two for so long. And what was their strategy? Theirs wasn't oh, World Rugby is the one that's saving us or the number of games that we're playing, they didn't become rugby part of, like, Argentina didn't become part of the rugby championship until they proved so much that they were getting better and better and better. So theirs was, we're going to send players to the professionals and then bring them back and hence develop their game piece by piece over time. Uh, Japan, they created a very stout professional league that allowed them to be able to bring in players at high levels to play with them. And so they still got tier one practice without having to get beat repeatedly um, and use those like 50, 60, 100 point beatings by a New Zealand or an England or whatever as their mm-hmm. sole method of thing that was their growth. No, the key is you have to be a gorilla, you have to do gorilla change to be able to make dynamic uh, improvements in what you want to do and these are literally the only ways that you get ahead we have enough technology we have enough population we literally have the resources for um our financial being the issue and i've dealt with this with sponsors is that nobody feels like it has reach in the u.s which is where i go back to saying yo what seeds are you planting early on that are not simply just i need you to be on the field we want watchers honestly you need watchers as much as you need players So it's like, what is it that you need so that the sponsors feel confident about their awareness levels? And then subsequently, it allows you to do things dynamically different. Another perfect example, the spring box, 7-1 bench. Everybody hates it. Everybody destroys it, (laughs) but it works. And that's what you need. Why? Is it not the spirit of rugby? No, it absolutely is. It's within the rules of regulations, but just doesn't mean it's the way that everybody does it. But there you go you shake it up and that's what makes a difference that's what tier 2s have to do you shake it up you change it different and don't follow a notion that that literally is actually falling apart right in front of you at the same time
1: yeah <laughs> so here's some questions why do tier 2 nations say USA all the others why do we think they should be allowed to play the all blacks you know the springboks right. ireland In other words, we won't see the Durham Bulls playing the Texas Rangers. You know they'll get they'll get killed thirty nothing in baseball. You know why? Why? It's not like we're making money off of it. It Seems like the New Zealand makes most of the money coming to this country. Why are we allowed to do that when we can't beat our own tier two nations? It it shouldn't happen until we prove ourselves. Until USA Eagles prove themselves in dismantling Spain and dismantling or, or or competing with Argentina. Or, you know, destroying uh, Uruguay, destroying Russia, destroying, uh, uh, Germany, you know, Georgia. Those are good teams. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from them. But I don't think any Tier 2 nation should say they should play Tier 1s until they could really start beating up on other Tier 2 nations and earn it. You know, I mean, am I off with that one? I mean, I, I really think more and more I thought about it. It's like, yeah, okay, I, as a rugby fan like myself and all of us here listening, we of course we want to see the All Blacks. Right. We want to see Ireland. But do we want to see USA get beat by 100?
2: Yeah. no. I think think there's just – what's the best way of putting it? I'm a big believer in the meritocracy of it all. But I think even more so, again, it's building your system. And for us right now, we have to rebuild our system, especially within a certainly accelerated rate. Um, And if you're looking at the all blacks and everything, I think we all have in our mind a little bit of a fantasy – you know, kind of fantasy, rugby, fantasy football kind of a way of being like, yo, I got my team and then you put your team and let's, let's crash it together because I just love to see the mismatch. But it's like, it, it doesn't work in the reality. And I, I don't think necessarily that we should be, you know, uh, 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 entitled to be able to play to All Blacks. Let them come play on our soil. And if they do, mm-hmm. we need to be able to profit off of them because they can bring brand awareness based off of the weight of their brand, but in terms of like the actual gaming, no. Let's let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do if we can run our continents first, and then you start to build out to the rest of it. But again, it goes back to no. Let's get our system straight. If our system gets straight, which I know everybody goes, it's easier said and done or it's a silver bullet effect. Yada yada. It's it's not complex. We have examples, especially in the U.S. Like lacrosse and pickleball somehow superseded us in doing exactly that thing. <laughs> so it's just like, no, we we have the capability. Um, it's just, yeah, let's run our continent again, our region if you may. And then, yeah, then let's talk about going against a tier one because other than that, we don't make money, we don't win, we don't learn. It becomes terrible for the broadcasters. like what what are we doing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and and for those who don't know the game, I mean, seeing your international side. I mean, no one, everyone knows USA uh, relishes the, the, the U S the, the Olympics because we we do so well in it. So when you start seeing some international side, whether it's lacrosse or rugby or I don't know, USA pickleball team uh, winning all the time, it's going to stand out. You know, eventually it's going to get on ESPN about the highlights, and so then then you start building from there. Well, I'm not going to say build from there. Obviously, we're building the youth mm. programs, getting them to play. But getting that in front of eyes who are not fans of the game yet i think it's extremely important so the, the only thing that I, i'm still not okay with with this is how long until there's promotion rele- rele- relegation we're talking until after the 31 world cup i, I don't i mean I, I i'm trying to wrap my brain around why it would be so long and why the tier one nations would be against doing it sooner any thoughts well
2: I mean, we know, for one, Argentina was absolutely against the length of time. Yeah. So shout out to Augustin Pichot and Argentina for, for wanting to fight against that. Look, I'm going to be objective about this. From a business standpoint, I 100% get it. Especially considering, like I said, world rugby is in a very prickly place right now financially. And we're talking about the rugby world in general financially, particularly from the professional sides with Six Nations, uh, with, with Premiership, uh, top 14 is managing. We're seeing if issues with uh, uh, Super uh, Rugby, and then of course, URC was literally created so that there could be more games. They need to have confidence, because right now they're simply funding a tournament. Like, and even think about that. When we talk about these tournaments, even with the Rugby World Cup, I know uh, I talked to Dan Lyles about this before, but when we think of like World Cup for soccer, we know that there is a payout structure that goes vis-a-vis you Mm -hmm. enter into the tournament you're immediately getting xyz amount of money so there's an immediate return for simply entering in with rugby world cup there's never a preset idea of what is earned players get paid on stipends or salary based on their union but the rugby world cup itself doesn't do it the same goes Mm -hmm. for whenever you're talking about these uh nations tournament this nation's cup these teams are literally entering in to simply create an international schedule to have more product to be able to sell to distributors so that they can actually be able to get more return on their money. The reality of Hmm. it is it, it doesn't necessarily help. And so when we're talking about the six years needed, they're like saying, we're the only countries that have the reach and awareness, even though we don't have necessarily the full population, but at least you'll know that people will have eyeballs. And so when we're dealing with our advertising partners and our media partners, they at least can have confidence in the investment uh, in this tournament. And if you're switching things out and about, I mean, right, re- relegation isn't good for commercialization. Um, from the personal side of it, though, you know, it, it does suck. But I go back again. We got six years to be able to get our stuff together as a tier two, create create our, our system, whether from individual countries or from the most financially capable tier two countries uh, to get the stuff together, and when relegation does come, then you come in and smack them in the face.
3: Gift. Yeah, I wish we had a lot more time, I and mean, we're certainly yeah. going to talk about this topic a lot more over the next couple of years as we get closer to the Pacific Nations Cup, I guess next summer. But um, want to uh, want to get you out of here on a lighter question. Oh. So uh,
1: lighter. It's always hardball. It's supposed to be hardball. Questions. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, Giff, yeah, you 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 know you're you're on the show, the rugby odds, from the rugby yes, wrap sir. up. You duke it out with John Layfield. and others. If you had a tag team wrestling match against John Layfield and Matt McCarthy, what what rugby media pundit, and it can be domestic or international, are you picking for your duo? Uh,
2: I mean, look, uh, <sighs> don't, we're don't taking a pure rugby don't media yep. pundit from the U. We're talking about from the U.S. U.S. or international? We'll, we'll U.S. do U.S. Or U.S. Or first. In-
1: Why not? Boston. All right. Boston.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, it's it, it's it's hard for me to be want to be able to go against a champ. I mean, the man's a legend. Matt, you know, it, he would be a legend, but Matt always wants to talk smack about Jersey stuff. So I, you know, I, I my <laughs> empathy on that one. Um, if I was going to, even though I haven't gotten a chance to meet him directly, uh, I probably would number one probably go Alex uh, uh, core Corpus Corpesera, yeah. Corpus-ero. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to use that size. Or right? at least yep. at least be a a bumper uh, a bumper for me between me and John, so, you know, Matt and I will will duke it out from there.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know how to get on that show. I feel like I'm left out. <laughs> you guys put in a good word for me and I and I'll and I'll be one of the tag team. We're
2: we ready for it. Let's go, Bill. Let's go. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> Triple,
1: all right. I'm going to.
2: We had to play fair.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go out there and look for my crowbar and, and uh, you know, uh, brass knuckles and uh, I don't know what else. Maybe some rusty nails and uh, build a mace. A mace? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Giff, we got to let you go, man. We're, we're out of time. Uh, we got to get back to, I think, uh, Fitzy needs to make oatmeal or coffee or something. yeah uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. thank I'm you energy. guys so much man thank y'all for, yeah. for having me on
1: yeah Giff thanks for your input Thanks. Uh, good luck with your podcast good luck with everything we're looking forward to touching base with you again soon
2: absolutely absolutely man and we look forward to it again And uh, I need you guys on the podcast as well so look for my call we, we we're we gonna do this
1: <laughs> I've been I, you know That's I've good. blocked all calls from South America for some reason <laughs> 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 alright Giff take care man we'll talk again cheers all right, cheers. All right, Fitzy, man, let's wrap it up. That's uh, That was fun. That was fun. I wish we had more time uh, to talk about the Pacific uh, uh, Nations Cup, but we'll get that at some point. But uh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you and I have to do record something else later today, which we will uh, post also, but uh, if you're up for it. Uh Because uh, <laughs> it involves suds. It does. Uh, not soap, but, uh, yes, suds. <laughs> uh, with that said, let's get out of here. Uh, those listening in, thank you so much for tuning in live here on the Twitter app or if you were live streaming over on Facebook linkedin or youtube thanks so much i did see a couple comments in there apologize for not getting those on but please tune in again next week uh, we are already lining up two usa men's players uh, who are set to join us they're in spain right now getting ready for the live getting rid getting ready for the live international rugby tournament so uh, really looking forward to getting those two on um, uh, in a good time so check out everything online look for newsletters from rugby morning and from eagles overseas and we'll see you guys again soon thank you so much